and she has a son, verse 20 talks about. She gave birth to a son, and she named him Samuel, because I have asked him of the Lord. What are you asking God for? You know, there's some things we've asked God for, and then we kind of just get tired of asking, and we kind of let it go. Hannah didn't let it go. She cried out to the Lord. She cried out in such a way that she was even considered drunk. Samuel means ask of God. Hannah means grace. You know, every year they would go back up to Shiloh. They'd go offer their gifts to God. It was kind of an annual pilgrimage. But she didn't take little Samuel till he was old enough to wean. And when you st study this out, one year I, I studied this out, and I found out uh, one place they were weaned at three, another place they were weaned at five, another place they were weaned at 12. So I don't know when Samuel got weaned, but when he got weaned, she took him on to the house of God. She took him. They had to take an offering and present it to God. So let me find my place here. And, uh, when she when, verse 24, when she had weaned him, she took him up with her and she took the bull for an offering. She took all the offering things. And it says the child was young. So I don't know how old he was, but he was young. Verse 26, and she said to Eli, Oh, my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I'm the woman who stood here before you and prayed to the Lord. And for this boy, I prayed, and the Lord has given me my petition, which I ask of him. So I have also dedicated him to the Lord as long as he lives. He is dedicated to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. She got what she wanted, and she did what she told God she would do. Listen, if you'll give it to, to God, He'll give it to you. He'll give you what you need. That's His way, but He wants you to let Him be the, the controller, the, the ruler. And Samuel grew up to be such a mighty man of God. And she took Samuel to Eli. And Eli had two sons who became priests, but they were corrupt, worthless. But some way or other, she put enough in him that it didn't affect him that way. That's interesting. And you know, even as a young boy, God he began to speak to him. He, he grew up that way. But that is just such a mother picture to me. Can you imagine? I can't imagine taking a young child and just leaving it somewhere and you go up and see it once a year. She'd bring him a new coat, a new garment every year. Oh, and by the way, the Lord blessed her. She had three sons and two daughters after that. But she gave Samuel to the Lord. What do you want to give to God? What have you got to give to God? Of course, we got to give ourselves. But what, do you, what is it you're praying for 
And you say, God, I want that. But if you give it to me, I, I'm giving it back to you. And you, you, you're the controller. It's like Moses threw down the staff and it turned into a serpent. God said, pick it up by the tail. In other words, God said, I'm the head. He wants to lead us. You know, another story about a mother, and you probably haven't thought about this one, is in Solomon's day. Two prostitutes get pregnant. They live together. One has a baby boy. Another one has a baby boy three days later. One of them wakes up in the middle of the night. Her boy is dead, just a few days old. She takes that dead boy, puts it in bed with the other one, and takes that baby. The mother of the live child wakes up with the dead baby, looks it over and says, this is not my son. Doesn't the mama know? And they go to court. Solomon's the new king. That's an interesting story in 1 Kings chapter 3. In verse 23, they bring him before the king. And the king said, Oh, this one says, This is my son who is living, and your son is dead. Is the dead one. The other says, No, for your son is the dead one, and my son is the living one. The king said, So, Bring me a sword. And the king said, Divide the child. Divide the living child in two. And give half to the one and half to the other. Then the woman whose child was the living one spoke to the king. For she was deeply stirred over her son and said, O oh my Lord, give her the living child and by no means kill him. <clears throat> but the other said, he shall be neither mine nor yours, divide him. And the king said, Give the first woman the living child and by no means kill him. She's the mother. Interesting story. Tragic story. But the real mother's heart comes out in that story. <coughs> God goes to a lot of trouble to get us to the right place, the right time, and to give us the right parents. Now, you had the right mama. You had the right dad. It may not have all ended up the way we thought it should have, but that was God's design. Your parentage was designed, selected by God. God went to a lot of trouble. I've, I've mentioned this before. <clears throat> My grandfather, <clears throat> Klingen, lived in Kansas. He was a young man. And one day he was going to deliver a wagon somewhere and he ran into a friend. He asked the friend where he's going. He said, I'm going to Avan, Oklahoma. The oil field down there, there's, just, there's all kinds of jobs. He said, why don't you go with me? He said, if I get this del wagon delivered in time to catch the train with you, I'll do it. I mean... What just looked like by chance meeting had to happen. He come to Avant, of course, 
met his wife, and my mother was their first child. I mean, God works out things. My dad was an Arkansasier. His first ranch job, they called him Arky. A 15-year-old boy got on a train load of cattle and come to Oklahoma to be a cowboy. No, God had to get him here so he could meet my mother when they, when they met. I don't know how long they'd known one another. <coughs> my mother's aunt was visiting them. They lived at Avant. And she was from Kansas, and they had to take her to Pawhuska to catch the train to go home. So my dad and mom, before they were married, took Aunt Mary to Pawhuska to catch the train. And on the way home, my mom says, he talked her into getting married, and they got married at Winona. <laughs> June the 14th, 1936, they came home and told her parents, but she didn't go home with my dad that night. She was 16. He was 22. They got married. Then one week before she was 18, I was born on Main Street in Sky 2 because God wanted me here. I mean, he's got a plan for each of you. You can go back in your parentage, just probably tell stories just like that. God has got this thing under control. As out of control as our world looks, Jesus Christ is Lord. The government's upon his shoulders, and he's turning heads, and he's going to move heads too. He's going to make some changes in things. Uh, my parents both confessed to uh, know the Lord, and, um, you know, uh, when we moved some, my dad was working on ranch jobs. By the time I was 15, I think I'd lived in 15 different houses. Some of them had been the same place when we lived at Jacksonville, Arkansas for four years. And I know we lived moved in three different places down there. I mean, you've been there's change always going on. You know, I started school in Avant in first grade and then moved to Tulsa. Well, Twin Cities. Finished the first, started the second, moved to Jacksonville, Arkansas in the second grade. Middle of sixth grade, we moved back here. I went to Oshalata School, finished sixth, started the seventh, then moved to Ramona. I mean, there's change in life. There's always change. I have uh, two brothers and a sister. So with four kids, you know, there's always some fusses. There's always some divisions. But my mom and dad could handle that. And listen, if mom couldn't handle it, she had a threatening, I'll tell dad. You know, that would handle it. I mean, there's divisions. So in families, you learn to get along. I never thought about divorcing my siblings. I've, and me and my brothers had some battles, but me and Paul was closer to me, but, you know, we had a great love for one another, too. It's a miracle all of us still going. But families, families are God's idea. I, I remember 
my mom and dad having some issues, but I never saw any bad fights or anything like that. But see, kids, God protects us. We don't know the hurts and the wounds that are going on within them. You know, <clears throat> my dad had worked ranch jobs and the move to Arkansas was to work for his brother. And he became a salesman calling on schools and things like that. And that wasn't fitting him. And he went to work for a feed company down there and that's where he got the idea and he came to Oklahoma and how he did that because I know I, I think my grandpa signed a note for him for $500 and they started that business that ended up in the 50s and 60s was a huge business in northeastern Oklahoma but he just operated it on a shoestring really because I remember one of the battles they'd have was over the money and my mom she was a better collector than my dad was she could run a business she could do anything she was a very talented lady because I remember one evening she asked me to go with her to go see a dairyman and his wife try to collect what they owed him but I mean that didn't bother her my dad was a little more mercy gifted but I, I think about that you know um, I remember about in the fifth or sixth grade though one night I was in bed and I could hear them in another room I couldn't hear what they were saying but I could hear them talking I remember hearing my mama starting to cry, though, so I knew something wasn't good. I started crying, and when I did, of course, they stopped. You just think about what kids go through, what they hear at home, what they live through. Then, probably later that summer, my folks separated for a little bit, but my grandparents lived at Oshalata, and I was staying with them. Well, all of us was, but my dad. But uh, that's when my grandpa told me, he said, you need to stay with your brothers and sisters now. If there's a time, you just need to come stay with me. And, of course, <clears throat> I'd been happy to stay with him anytime. I mean, before that, I'd come spend the summers with him. And You know, God just connects us. But, you know, my dad uh, led to singing at churches. My whole years at Ramona, I was in seventh grade, and we, of course, graduated there. That's where I saw Dixie get saved. Dad led to singing. Mom taught a Sunday school class. My mom couldn't remember her getting baptized and getting saved. And after, as an adult, me and my two brothers went to her one day. Just went over to meet with her to talk about that. And she, you know, confessed the Lord and such as. But after 28 years, so they get a divorce. And you know, at the time, I thought they should. 
I was saved, but Jesus wasn't Lord. I didn't know how to help them. <clears throat> they needed someone to step in their lives. It could have been fixed. I don't know if anybody tried to. You know, most people think it's easier to start over. So maybe that'll help you see why I so believe in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. See, it's easy to... Getting saved is the easiest part of it. Becoming a, a disciple or making Jesus Christ as Lord is the harder part. It's a process. It's a growth process. It's not an easy process. And, you, and you've got memories that aren't good, but the Lord can heal those. But see, Angie talked about that. The inner things. If those inner things don't get fixed, we're, we're just camouflage them and cover up and put on our smiles and yes, it's great, and yet we're dying on the inside. Some people never get free. I don't think my mother ever got free. My dad in his older years developed dementia and was, you know, it affected him greatly. But God wants to fix us all. I'm telling you, if we don't deal with it, it, it gets exposed. It comes out. The greatest thing you can do for your family Hannah presented Samuel to the Lord. He's yours. The greatest thing you can do is just say, here I am, God. Do whatever it takes in me to fix me. Because until he fixes you, you can't help anybody else. I wasn't any place to help my f folks. You know, you could... We was with uh, Ray Garcia and his wife the other day. He said, uh, her dad loaded us up one time. We were struggling our young marriage. Took us to Jay Swallow and set us down and said, Jay, fix him. Fix him. I mean, there's a time like that. I remember a preacher came out and talked to us one time. I knew he'd fix it. I didn't pay a lot of attention to him. I should have. You know, you can't help somebody that doesn't want help. You can't. You can pray for them. You can pray for them. Lord Jesus, we welcome you. We welcome you. See, being saved will get you to heaven, but his lordship and being his disciples allows you to call heaven down to earth. God has got blessings for you. The Christian life's not all a struggle. There are struggles. But God wants to bless you. He wants to give you, I have given you, he says, everything that pertains to life and godliness. He's made us more than conquerors. But yet we get so caught up in our world and our problems that we just dwell on them rather than what he has said. Which is greater, your problem or His Word? Which is greater, His provision or your problem? 
You know what? You know when they meet? When you will it. When you make that choice. You've got to will it. Open your mouth wide and I'll fill it. He says, make some declarations. As for me and my house, said Joshua, we're going to serve the Lord. Regardless of what you're facing, you've got to make those stands. You've got to stand in it. You've got to believe in it. You've got to allow God to do those things. That's what he's about. That's what he's about. We're to change the atmosphere. It's got to be set in your home. If you can set it in your home, it's got to be set in church. James Reed told Dixie down on Main Street, the first, that's the second location we had down there, you'll always have to fight for it. Let me tell you this, when Catherine was here, <coughs> one of the services, it's like, did I see something? But I heard something. And it was like, if, that, if they don't deal with it, I'll take them out. Later, I told Catherine about that. And she said, Gerald, when I got ready to preach, I really sensed witchcraft. But I just went ahead and preached. But she kind of implied it was the first time she'd been here when she felt that. But I'm telling you, just stand up for a minute. Just stand up. I decree, come on, agree, but let's get rid of witchcraft. That's right. That's right. It has no authority here. Lord, if, it, if anything we've done wrong that's caused it, I repent of it. It has no right here. I cancel its assignment, whether it's just a spirit or whether it was working through someone that was here at that time or now. I don't know. But Lord, we cancel that assignment right now in the name of the blood of Jesus. Lord, just like in a home, you want unity. Lord, we want unity here. You said you come to make us one. You didn't make us groups or cliques. You've come to make us one. Can you agree with that? In Jesus' name, amen. You can shout and be seated. Amen. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. I give you praise. I give you honor. Rich strike. Yesterday, 80 to 1. I mean, the odds can change in your home. They can change on your job. They can change not by betting on it, but by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Things can change in your life. They can change. You know how you got into trouble? You have to get out of trouble the same way. You got to believe God can get you out of that. You know, James and John, two of Jesus' favorite disciples, Jesus was going into a Samaritan village one day, and they said, no. You know what John and James did? You remember? Shall we just call fire down on them? He said, you don't know what spirit you are. See, that's... There's been times I just thought I was so right, and I look back, I was in a wrong spirit. It's possible. It's possible. 
fact, I think it happens to all of us more than we, than we really know. But you know, 1 John 1, 9 is still true. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all, all unrighteousness. There's just a time I've got to say, Lord, that's, I was in a wrong spirit, forgive me. Or whatever the sin is. You know, there, we continue to repent to come back to God. That's how, it, those, that brings a time of refreshing. Don't think you're too spiritual not to repent. Think about the blood of Jesus and how much it cost Jesus. What it cost Jesus for your salvation. For you to know you're going to have eternal life. It cost him all. We talked about Hannah giving her all. Listen, God gave his all in the Son of Jesus Christ. He gave him all to redeem us, to set us free. <clears throat> Lord, I thank you for the blood of Jesus. I thank you for the cross. You went to the cross to redeem us. We proclaim Jesus Christ, Lord of all. The Apostle Paul makes a statement. And you know, before he met Jesus, he'd had Christians thrown in prison. He'd had them killed. And he makes this statement in Acts 23.1. He's on trial. Looking intently at the council, he said, Brethren, I have lived my life with a perfect good conscience before God up to this day. God had done such a cleansing, healing work in him, he didn't even remember his bad days. Now come on. That's a challenge. I want to get there. You know, I still have some of those thoughts come by that want to get me to think on those and pull life out of me. Paul had got rid of those. He said, I'm, I have such a clear conscience, I've always lived right with God. And he, that statement's in the Bible more than once. Isn't that quite a statement? Doesn't that represent a person? Talk about having inner peace. He has inner peace. See, I can look back to tragedy, and as I got older and grown, I saw more things that had happened that had caused different things in my family. No, God didn't cause them. It's choices we make that affect things that hurt people. The wounds I have, no, most of them I caused. We can't put it off on somebody else. There's a time we've got to deal with it. We've got to lay it down. Maybe it's somebody has really hurt you. I'm sorry, but you've got to forgive them. You've got to forgive them. You'll eventually forget it. It'll get easier. you get like Paul. He didn't remember it anymore. But the, the church as worldwide as a whole were not healed and we'll never be a mature church apart from that. We've got to get over those things. We've got to believe that he is who he says he is and that the promises are just as true today 
regardless of the economic, regardless of the world situation, the Word of God is just as true as it's ever been. And it's for us today. Let's stand up. Lord, we bless you today. I decree your Lordship over us. Listen, remember David? He had a man killed. He committed adultery. And yet God said, I found David the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. That means he was, he got it all right with God. That's what God wants us to do. I want you to be able to live, leave here today without guilt, fear, condemnation. And that's possible as we make Jesus Lord. If there's an issue in your life that's not right, ask Him to forgive you. If it involves someone else and you need to get it straight with them, be willing to do that. I bless you today. I want God's best for you. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Ask Him to fill you afresh and anew with His mighty Holy Spirit to empower you to be who He's called you to be. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Come to Christ today. Remember Jesus shed His blood for you. If you've never been born again today, if you'll come, someone will lead you in that. Whatever you need today, come to God. Bring your heart's desire and needs to Father God this morning. In Jesus' name. Just sing that song with me.